Welcome to Knit, Design, Edit, Sleep, Repeat with Lisa Conway and Denise Finley. Let's listen in and see what's happening, who's happening, and what's new in their world. Hey, Lisa, do you have a minute? Hey, Denise, of course, always for you. Aw, well, you're such a sweetie. So how's everybody doing today? First of all, let's get that out of the way, just real quick. Everybody's happy and healthy. We had a brief uh, scare with a possible COVID exposure that turned out to not be a COVID exposure. It was a third party kind of thing. Mm, yeah. That person never came down with COVID, so we're fine. Yay. Okay, well, I just have a, a just a really quick question about something that I had never heard of before. But it was mentioned in a knit thing that I was in online the other day. And so I thought, oh, I know somebody I can ask a question about with this because she's a tech editor, right? So here's the question. And I might have a few more after that. What is a style sheet? Oh, that's a big question, actually. It's going to take me a few minutes to answer it, probably. I got time. <laughs> that's I got good. Time. I'm glad you've got time. Okay, a style sheet, most style sheets are actually used by publishers, okay. but I think that designers can help improve and speed up their pattern writing process by creating one of their own or getting their tech editor to help them create one. What it is, is all of the rules that you're going to apply to how your pattern is laid out, formatted, abbreviated, all of the little technical details that say this piece comes before that piece. Mm -hmm. This abbreviation is always used capitalized, that kind of thing. Hmm. Okay. So I guess then do you think every designer needs to have a style sheet? I don't know that every designer needs a full style sheet. They do need a good solid pattern template, which is part of the style sheet, so that when they lay out their pattern, they're consistent from one pattern to the next. Okay. And you know, that day we talked about what a tech editor does. One of the things I didn't mention mm -hmm. is that if you've got a client that you edit multiple patterns, you'll develop an eye for how that designer lays out their patterns. And suddenly you'll see a pattern that comes through and they've moved something. Mm. And the first question I have is, is this deliberate? Is there a reason for this change? Should we maybe take it back to the pattern, original pattern template? Ah, so you can spot those things after you've worked with the designer then is what you're saying. You'll, you'll get used to a particular designer and suddenly realize that they've changed their template somehow. And mm. it, it does bring up the question. Mm. Sure. Did you do this on purpose? <laughs> or is it a boo-boo? <laughs> is, it, is it because you copied and pasted something and things got out of order? Mm. And is this something you want to change permanently for other patterns as well? Oh. So a pattern template that literally lays out 
where you place the name, where you place the majority of your photographs, those tend to move around a little bit within a pattern. Mm -hmm. Do you always put the supplies list on the first page or the last page? I have one designer that right now that all of her supplies information goes on the back because her patterns are often sold in a store where they are shrink wrapped. Mm -hmm. And so the title page and the yarn information and all of that are back to back. That makes sense. Yeah. With the pattern in between. And mm -hmm. it it's, allows the buyer to see that information even without opening the package. Right. So where does that information come from? That's all part of the style sheet or pattern template so that you know every single time you create a pattern where that information goes. You just have to fill in the blanks. Huh. You know, it's funny now that you mentioned that there's a couple of designers that I have more than one of their patterns, you know, because I kind of like their style or whatever, or they ran a special. No, but yeah, I've, I've noticed that one designer in particular that she, everything looks exactly the same on her front page. And then I know that sometimes it takes longer to describe uh, something or to list, make a list of supplies or whatever, you know, cause you're using more things. But then the rest of her pattern, it's almost exactly the same as the other ones. That's interesting that you should talk about that. Yeah. Well, and it style sheets are used a lot, say, by magazines. If you're submitting to a magazine, they've accepted your proposal. They will send you their style sheets so that you mm. know what format you need to use. And mm. especially when it comes to like, use of abbreviations and things like that magazines want real control over that because they don't put a glossary with every pattern it mm. is in a separate place in the in the magazine a, yeah so how those abbreviations show up abbreviations mm -hmm. tripped over that one yeah. <laughs> how those show up within your pattern need to match how they're going to show up in their glossary ah so but in in Individual designer can build their own abbreviation style sheet so that their abbreviations stay consistent from one pattern to the next, helping their knitter be able to say, oh, if I see capital M1, mm -hmm. that always means make one right. Right. But if I see M1L, that means always means make one left. Now, that's not really the best explanation because really it should be M1R and M1L. Mm -hmm. But if the designer is consistent in using those the same way all the time, then it's really, if they've got that in a list, they know not to make the mistake of changing it. I actually just came across that M1 and M1R in a pattern and it is written by somebody from one of the Slavic countries. So perhaps that's just something that they do in there. Or it's just her style, maybe. It's probably just the designer's individual style. It's how mm -hmm. she's she or he has mm -hmm. chosen to represent that particular stitch within their patterns. Hmm. Whether so, they are consistent depends on whether or not they have looked at that as a consistency issue. Ah. Uh. Yeah, because I had to look it up in her glossary because I'm like, M1, well, which way do I go? Right or left? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but and, it made sense then when I read it, read it in the glossary. 
And sometimes you will see a designer that literally lists all three because they have a situation where they want you to decide which one to use. Oh, that's very interesting. Now, this is another little thing about abbreviations, probably better left for another episode, but that's okay, (laughs) is that there is only one source of standards for abbreviations and that's the craft yarn council Mm -hmm. so it's really important for designers to make those choices and stay the same from one pattern to the next it's easier for them as much as it's easier for the knitter oh sure so that's where a style sheet becomes absolutely the best thing they could refer to because they know they're doing the same thing all the time. Well, you just brought up my next question because we're talking about style sheets, but what do you put in a style sheet? What should be in a style sheet? What should be in a style sheet? Well, like I said in the beginning, where things are going to go in your pattern. So listing out how your pattern is going to be broken up what kind of titles are you going to use on your individual sections? What are those going to look like? Are they going to be bolded or are they just going to be a larger font? Should and where be, those pieces go? Should it always be the same font? Like if you're going to be multiple designs, you think should all, they should always stick with the same font? Question. Yes. For consistency, I would say that the you should choose a font, stick with it. Stick, okay. stick with it. Okay, that makes sense to me. But yeah, I didn't know if it was important. It's not crucial. Okay. I mean, that's a design decision. And as our patterns, as we create more patterns, we may find a different font. So somewhere down the road, those fonts may change. But if you stay consistent from one pattern to the next, Mm -hmm. it can be really helpful. I will also mention, since we're talking fonts here to make sure you're using a, an easily readable font. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Don't get fancy right. with your font. Don't use curly cues and super script type fonts. Keep keep mm-hmm. the fonts clean. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So the style sheet, what anything else? Like so you basically you're taking it apart. Piece by piece by piece, like, or point yes. by point? Okay. Point by point. Where So how? what is your layout? What is your formatting? That should be in your style sheet. Mm-hmm. So are you going to use half-inch margins? Or are you going to use bigger margins? There are some avenues where you might want to use, like, one-inch mar- margins, for example. Don't use too small of a margin. So pick a margin that's wide enough that all printers can handle it. And mm-hmm. printers are getting better at being able to print borderless, but there are still a lot of printers out there that won't print outside of that half inch margin. Right. So I wouldn't go any smaller than that. So your whatever your margin size is mm-hmm. should be in there. Racking my brain here and trying to remember the last time I saw a style sheet, everything that was covered in terms of formatting. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, how your titles show up. And by titles, I mean section breaks and how you do right. those. Are you going to use colons? That's another piece is what type of punctuation are you going to use? Are you going to make sure that for repeats, you always use an asterisk? Are you going to use parentheses or brackets? Hmm. Are you going to use a standard hyphen versus an N dash or an M dash? Because those are different. Look mm -hmm. it up in a style guide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was that was one of the things that I I still to this day, even after a year of doing this, sometimes have to look up when it's appropriate to use the M dash versus the N dash. Hmm. Because they are different lengths. Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you put a space before and after it is another yep. little tiny issue in the punctuation correction realm. Mm -hmm. But having it stated, this is what I'm going to use. Mm. So that when you come to it, you know it. I know a designer that is almost overly fond yep. of the M dash. Ugh. And I know that that particular designer's tech editor will call them on it mm -hmm. once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Kind of funny. They call um, me on the tilde because I use it to separate my paragraphs, like a time frame, you know, like it's the next day or something. But it's the same chapter. I'm not changing chapters. So I use some tildes and they're, what? <laughs> I'm like, hey, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm an independent author, so I hear what you're saying. <laughs> right. So much of those types of things are really personal preference. Yeah. That as a tech editor, if I get a style sheet from a designer that says, this is what I'm going to use, this is when I'm going to use it, it's really, really helpful. I think I've seen one, hmm. but that's okay. The next thing that should always be in your style sheet, and this should is really the bulk of the style sheet, is how, when, and what you're going to use for your abbreviations. Because when you capitalize an, an, an abbreviation and when you don't, uh, it mm -hmm. should stay consistent throughout. Basically, if you have in your abbreviation glossary or in the list at the beginning of the pattern, you say capital M1. You should always, every reference to that abbreviation should be capital M1. If you have it on the style sheet that that's how you're going to do it, you don't forget. Right. So a style sheet helps you to know what to use. It also can be extremely beneficial to your tech editor because they can go through and check based on your style sheet. Right, what on what you do? said you were going to use. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So a style sheet should always ha have how do, you, how do you format your abbreviations? What abbreviations do you use? And when do you not use an abbreviation? Are you always going to write out cast on? Are you going to use capital C-O, which is the most common and is in the standards list through Craft, Craft Yarn Council is the capital CO, or are you going to lowercase CO? Huh. How you're going to do that should be in that style sheet. 
if you're going to use a style sheet. And the more common style sheets become, the more, the faster it becomes for your editor to edit for you, actually. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's easier to hunt for those things. Sure. So I, I figure, I think of myself, I think I'm going to make a style sheet, you know, blah, 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 whatever reason. How do I create it? I mean, is there a form uh, that I can find somewhere? Is there a, a, a template or a program, you know, or something? How do you do that? There, there's not a piece of specific software, no. This no. is something you generally will do in your word processing program. Okay. I have toyed, haven't done it yet, have toyed with creating a template for you to create your style sheet. Ooh. So check back because I might, this might just be the kick in the pants that I need to get it done. <laughs> Could you make one for me? Just me, Lisa. <laughs> sure. Good Sorry about down that. here. <laughs> but basically what you want to do is take your patterns that you have created and, and examine them and look at what have I done in forms of formatting? What margins have I used? What types of fonts have I used? How did I designate my individual sections and create a template? Ah. When, when you've created that template, then every time you go to write a new pattern, you just open the template, resave it as the new pattern name, and, and off you go. Now you're just filling in sections. I was just going to say, you're filling in the blanks, kind of. Yeah. You're filling mm -hmm. in the blanks now. Okay. The second document, and, and these really should be two separate documents for your benefit, because the pattern template, like I said, you can reuse over and over again. Right. The second template, you can either do in a word processor or in a spreadsheet, if you know how to use spreadsheets for basically just data collection. Right. And not worrying about all the formulas and things. But create a table. And for every single abbreviation that you use look at the different ways that abbreviation can be written okay so capitalized lowercase mm. with commas with dashes whatever it is and across the table in the first column write down what is the what is the stitch so if it's knit write out knit Mm -hmm. it, you know, if it's make one right, right, make one right. Mm -hmm. And then show every possibility for that and decide which one of those do I really want to use and circle it. Print it uh... out, circle it, and then keep that in a file. Make sure you keep the electronic copy because as you go along, you might want to make changes. But mm -hmm. keep that piece of paper, and then every time you write a pattern, pull that piece of paper out, set it on your desk, and refer to it. Mm -hmm. Now, sharing that with your tech editor is a little more challenging. Once you've circled it, you can create a separate document that just says, what is the stitch name? What is the way I'm going to abbreviate it? So it's just two columns. Mm -hmm. Right. And that gives you an electronic file you can share with your tech editor. And it would be the same every time as long as you're being consistent, correct? Right. And you should only have to share it with your tech editor once, once. Yeah. or mm -hmm. if you've made a major change for some reason. And ah. that does happen. I've seen 
style sheets where rather than doing it that way, they will have just a phrase that says, write out cast on every time. Oh, yeah. Always utilize capital letters for the following abbreviations. Mm -hmm. So it's just a sentence sure. that says what they do. But I like the table because it's easier to lay on your desk and refer to. Well, at least for me. To read. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense because it's easier to read, uh, especially if it's alphabetized, you know. Yes, at any point. exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the joy of using a spreadsheet mm -hmm. because you can put those abbreviations in and then alphabetize the spreadsheet after the fact. You don't have to think about putting them in in alphabetical order. Well, and I'm thinking, you know, like the first project that I send into my tech editor might just be a real simple, basic, whatever. And then the next three or four might be medium. And then I'm going to bump up to cables or something. They have different di abbreviations. You right. know, they have different uh, standards for that. So yep. I can see where adding it would be easier that way. You know, another thing that might, and I haven't actually seen it up until now, but just you mentioning cables made me think about it. You might even want to show what symbols you would use if you were going to do a chart. Ah. So that your abbreviation stays consistent, not only within the pattern, but with your chart legend mm -hmm. with a symbol. and matches to the symbol correctly. That would be another thing you could do on a spreadsheet is to put that, that symbol in on the spreadsheet mm -hmm. so that it shows and is always associated with that same abbreviation. Wow. But this just that makes my head spin. No, <laughs> all this stuff, you know, like, do I really want to be a designer? I don't know if I could get somebody else to do all that stuff for me. No. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be a fun education. Well, like I said, a style sheet isn't critical for a small independent designer. Mm -hmm. Understanding how to read a style sheet is critical if you're going to submit to publications, magazines, or book publishers, or mm -hmm. those kinds of people, because you want to be able to read the, the style sheet they sent you sure. and format your pattern to their specifications. Because the more you do on your end, the happier they're going to be, and the more frequently they're going to come back to you when you've submitted. Right. Well, Lisa, you have been just a fountain of information. I do have some editing of my own to do and a couple of my books, but is there anything else you want to add before we hang up? No, just keep an eye on my website as to whether or not I get that style sheet template created. Oh yeah, that would be It'll cool. be under the newsletter signups that are going to go on the website here in the next couple of weeks. It'll be on that same page. So look under newsletter mm -hmm. and then freebie. It, it'll be listed as a freebie on cool. there. Give us that site information again. My website is arcticedits.com. Arctic, like where it's cold. A-R-C-T-I-C-E-D-I-T-S. <laughs> Arctic Edits. Okay. Okay, sweetie. Well, my books are calling me. Yes, and I really look forward to seeing the <laughs> new version. <laughs> yeah, one is one is one will be out in about um, less than a week. Oh, <laughs> lovely! Yay! <laughs> okay, sweetie. I hey, will talk, honey. Yeah. If, tell everybody what the name of your book is. Well, I have a series, my first series, and the the entire series is called Modern Fairy Tale. 
And each book uh, is basically has the name of a state in it. The first book is called Michigan Magic. Book two is Arkansas Adventure. Book three is Texas Transformation. Then with book four, I started somewhat of a little different format because it was many years later past all of this stuff that happened in the first three books. Well, the first two books, actually. But, um, and it's called Flint Finale and Chapter One. So those are the four books that I am re-editing and putting back on Amazon for your download to Kindle or purchase a paperback. And they even have a beta thing going with hardback right now, and I might even try that. But, like, I need to learn something new. But <laughs> that's all it's all- Honey, I don't care how old you get. We all should learn something new oh, on a well, regular basis. Everybody should write a book, okay, and put it on Kindle. Trust me. <laughs> that is the best example I can give. But the books are, like I said, book one, Michigan Magic, will be reavailable with some additions, uh, some fun stuff in it, a couple of uh, major uh, snafus and a couple of chapters that I fixed. Because I did not know what I was doing two and a half years ago when I published these books at all. I've learned a lot since then. I've also published, uh, beginning another series that is, the first book is still online. It's called What Just Happened, Colorado Style. Yes, I've lived in all of these places. (laughs) But this book is is, uh, just the beginning of a journey of a young girl who marries someone quite a bit older than herself who goes into politics. So that's a little bit of a different kind of flavor. And I have so many on the whiteboard, it's not even funny. I don't have enough hours in a day. I think that's all of us. (laughs) I know. Believe me, my my potential design list, now that you've spurred me into writing patterns of my own, it's growing exponentially every single day. I come up with a new idea and I have to go... Write that in the notebook so I don't forget. <laughs> you know what? Just real briefly, tell them about your first design. Oh, yeah. You can find my first pattern on Ravelry, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for an alternative source outside of Ravelry. It's called Modern Fairy Tale, The Shawl. <laughs> it was inspired by Denise and her husband, Randy, who you will hear from here in a few weeks. and their love story over the years because what you learn in Denise's books is they met like in middle school seventh grade so (laughs) like 13 years old yep Mm -hmm. and how many years later did you finally get married 42 yeah (laughs) so it's it's a long-running romance and so the shawl modern fairy tale the shawl is the story of that romance in knit form and it's beautiful, people. I am making one. I am not quite done. <laughs> but um, it has a couple of the elements that are important to the story. And if you read the book, you can you know what it is. And it's it's a fun knit. It's 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 actually pretty fast, but I haven't had enough time to finish mine. So you're working on a dress for a wedding. Come on. I know, I know. Yeah, well, I did the wedding dress, the bride's dress. I got that done. Now, yeah, but you're still working on your dress for the wedding, and that's got a deadline. <laughs> yep, yep, end of March. Gotta get it done. <laughs> or I'm gonna be looking pretty funny standing up there with her. 
All well, right, Denise. Well, I need to go get another cup of coffee because I've actually been up long enough that I've <laughs> running out of steam. drained the cup. <laughs> Okie doke. Well, we will All chat right. again next time. All right. Love okay, you, Darren. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Hit follow or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our next episode featuring Randy Finley, a former intellectual property attorney talking copyright as it relates to patterns and designing. Remember, you can reach us through our Facebook or our Ravelry group at our email at knitdesignedit at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about tech editing or grading or other services that I provide, please visit my website at arcticedits.com.